Alright, Lee. We're back to the roots. What was what was the year that this started? 20, 2017? 2017, yep. 2017. First, AFC first West. In, uh, AFC West a little preview. Yep. Episode zero. Episode that was zero. The first year in Chicago. It was the second year. I yeah, guess. I was I I was in I was in Michigan. That was the summer of my freshman year, I think, man. Yeah, I just remember recording the first episodes like right as we were moving into Sealy One. Yeah. But uh, we, we moved in in April. Yeah, and that was like right before the draft. Yeah. But uh, John, flies, John Dolan out of commission from a little brunch action. Tommy Murray out of commission. He's old man. Couldn't, yeah. couldn't even pull it together at 7.21 uh, p.m. after a night on the town on Friday night in Orange County. Yeah. Is that where he is? He's no, in Orange County? He's, he's, he's in L.A. He's LA, in LA, L.A County? Yeah, he's I'm in thinking, L.A. I'm thinking of Brendan Knight. Yeah, no, Tommy's in L.A. Um, he's, he's just a full L.A. guy now. Too, so, too, too busy for us, I guess. <laughs> too, too busy subscribing to PF, PFF. Yeah, too busy. And, uh, too busy dressing as as Mike Renner every day when he wakes up. What do what do LA people drink? I mean, we're we're drinking the the nectar of the Midwestern people over here, and, yep. and he's doing what? I'm assuming. Well, Tommy's go-to drink, which I can't hate on at all, because I really like it too, is just a classic whiskey and lemon. You just you just pour yourself a little whiskey and get some lemon juice in there, some fresh lemon juice. But I mean, I don't know, man. I don't know what the guy, the Tommy. He does Pacificos. He does Pacificos. He does Pacificos. But when he's in the, when he's in that mood, the dude will probably drink anything you give to him. <laughs> when he's, when he's in that, when he's getting after it like that. So um, we'll have to, we'll have to ask him next, next pod what he was off of, what that so, was off of. So not to nosedive the show before it even begins, but I had to, I had to share this thought. So tomorrow slash tonight is Spring Forward. One of my least favorite days of the year. We gain an hour, hence we lose an hour of sleep. Um, so I had this thought. If you took, if you had two fallbacks every year, because I love fallback, gain an hour of sleep, that's a great day uh, in the calendar. If you had two fallbacks every year, after 12 years, could you just skip a day and keep up with the calendar? This is, I will say, Clef. This is stuff that, since the first time I ever heard about it, I made a decision at whatever age I was to ignore it completely. I don't know what this fallback lean forward is. My only take on this is get rid of all of it. Get rid of all of it. Leave. Why are we changing the hours in the day? Why are we mere humans deciding? Arizona doesn't do it. That's, that's for certain. Maybe, maybe I'll move there because I think – why are we – we're taking an hour away and then we're giving an hour back. I just feel like let's let it be. Let's let the chips fall. You know, I, I don't like when it gets darker sooner, whenever that is. I don't like when it's when it's like 4.30. That's fall back, I think. It's like 4.30 and it's dark Spring out. forward, I believe it gets lighter earlier. But I could I like be wrong. That. I like that. But if, it's, if it never happens, if nothing ever happens, what would, what would be the downside of that? Now, all I'm asking is if you had two fallbacks – Every year, after 12 years, could you skip a day? Yeah, I'm the wrong guy to ask. I, and I would go out on a limb and say Tommy is an even wronger guy to ask than I am. I would say that he would, he would be just as, <laughs> just as confused, if not, if not more confused, about the about the. We, we already have enough if issues going over the uh, perceived <laughs> game scores. <laughs> it would be wrong to bring up in a room of many. I just, I just thought I'd address this individually. That, that is a high thought. I will confirm that 100%. I was off my O'Doul's. Yeah. I was feeling myself. I was feeling myself. No. Um, I also, I mean, this is, I'm going to put you on the spot, kind of. I had, I had a thought for a trivia. Oh. But, but we don't, I, I would be kind of surprised if you got it because I don't really have like great hints to give. But alas, uh, I think the player is worthy of a mention in the podcast, so I'll give it to you. Uh, Drafted in 1998. So my birth year, you you were alive at this point. I was alive when he was drafted. First round pick. I was a peanut. Pick thirteen overall to the Cincinnati Bengals. Spent his career with the Bengals, the Bills, the Eagles, and the 49ers and the Chargers. Wow. From nineteen ninety eight to two thousand and twelve, so a nice fourteen year career. 
for this player. He was a linebacker and wore the number 51 out of Auburn. And he... Wow. I felt when you... Before you said Auburn, something inside of me was like, you might know this. And then you said out of Auburn, and I don't know why, but that that really threw me... Threw me for a loop. He played for the, the Bengals, Bills, Eagles, and Chargers. And 49ers before the Chargers. Chargers was kind of the last stop on his career path. He was six foot two, two forty-two, number yeah. uh, number fifty-one with the Chargers, a real thumper at the linebacker I I position. I think I know. How about Takeo Spikes? Yes. Let's go. Let's go, man. Big guess there. I Let's thought he go. was worthy of a mention on the podcast. And and just like that. The Auburn comes full circle, and that confirmed I knew I was right when I thought of Takeo Spikes and I thought, where did he go to college? Auburn. Beautiful, man. That's, a, that's how you start a podcast. Nice Takeo Spikes mention. Did not also, he was drafted by Cincy, for what it's worth. I know. Did I didn't really know that either, but I, I, remember, I, remember him, I remember him as a bill. I do, too. Because I probably Don't had a trading card of him. Yeah, it was. I let feel me like let he me hear. Made his impact as a Bill. Eagles. Eagles. He was only there in 2007 as a 49er, 2008 to 2010 as a Charger, 2011 to 2012. He was a Bill from 2003 to 2006, and a Bengal from 1998 to 2002. Okay. So, bit of like an odd journeyman slash like in his prime career, like. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, would be he, a good he guy, definitely like, had a pretty good Would career. be a good guy to ask if he wants to come on the podcast. I mean, that's like a <laughs> we could we could we could send out a request. We should reach out to him. He's at Takeo Spikes 15. He also has MBA MBA Master in Business Associates in his uh, Twitter name. So, okay. Interesting. 15-year NFL vet. Public speaker, analyst, executive producer, and host of the BTM podcast. Wow. He's got a podcast himself. Behind the Mask podcast. Let's go Behind the Mask, Takeo Spikes, and Tutan Reyes. Hmm. Only 342 followers. Sounds like the back judge. Yep. Could be a collab. Could be a collab. Back judge is from the mud, baby. <laughs> But uh, in this podcast, Lee and I are just going to kind of uh, go freestyle a little bit. Lee, I know that you wanted to talk about the Jets and what they should do at two. Mm. You've been particularly uh, ingrained in your position since a, since a certain text message. Mm. Is this true? It is. Yeah, and let's start it off, man. I mean, uh, I may as well just give my give – Only my a light eight-minute intro. Yeah. I, I, hey, man. F zero. This is it's Saturday night. We got selection Sunday tomorrow. Things are good. We're enjoying ourselves. Um, Go blurs. Here's my. I mean, by the way, hats off to Loyola. I, I thought Drake. I thought Drake. I didn't know anything. I don't know anything about college basketball really. But if you would. But you me, know even less about the Missouri Valley Conference, where the Loyola Ramblers sit on the throne. They. I mean, evidently so. Um, Let's just yeah, say I it's thought, a good thing I don't have a Snapchat anymore. <laughs> For those who don't know, Adam Klepp is in the it, it made it, entered the Snapchat Hall of Fame back in 2018 when the Loyola Ramblers went on that run when he was in Rome and at about what was it was it 3 a.m. in the streets? Uh, of who Rome? knows what time? Who knows what time? All I this know man, is that this man was, you know. And that's why yeah. you're in the Snapchat Hall of Fame. But let's get into it. Let's get into the Jets here. Let me give my spiel. It shouldn't be that long. <clears throat> um, here's my here, – it makes no sense to me for the New York Jets to draft a quarterback with the number two pick, specifically Zach Wilson, because I'm not, you know, head over heels, you know, in love with Zach Wilson like everyone in their, in their brother seems to be. Um – and here's why it doesn't make sense. You have the most draft capital and first-round picks over the next three years. You have the number two pick in the draft this year. You have the number, I want to say, I always forget if it's 23 I'll, I'll, or 24. I'll it it's the Seahawks' first pick. Yeah. I went on my spiel last episode about how it doesn't make sense to draft a quarterback and then turn around and draft another quarterback in the top ten two or three years later. 
you t- you brought up Rosen and Kyler. One point that I thought of later that I didn't make, which almost always happens, I do want to say now. Think about the difference between in talent between Josh Rosen and, and Kyler Murray. That difference in talent is is astronomical. The difference in talent between Sam Darnold and Zach Wilson, you can't compare those two scenarios. You just drafted Sam Darnold uh, three years ago with the number three pick. He's had a bottom three offense in the NFL, if not the worst offense in the NFL, for the three years he's been a starter. One of those years he missed half the season for, with mono, for whatever that's worth. I know part of that is his fault, I guess. Adam Gase has been the only coach, head coach he's played for. The team has been terrible. You're bringing a new regime in with coaches. Sam Darnold is 23, turning 24 in June. You have the number two pick in the draft, okay? So if their plan is to take Zach Wilson, you here, my point is if, you're, if your plan is to take Zach Wilson, he better be a superstar because putting Zach Wilson in the same situation that Sam Darnold is in right now does not make any sense unless he's going to be a superstar and he's going to elevate your team to a point where you're competing with the Bills and the Dolphins, maybe not this year, but next year, or, or it looks like at least you can do that. And I don't think there's a quarterback in this draft with the exception of maybe Trevor Lawrence, and I say really maybe, honestly, that can step into the Jets' facility and be the starter day one and, and make the team improve to a point where they're now like that much better. They're not the Jets anymore. So with this number two pick, why not... You already have 23 or 24. Clep, are you on that? I got I no, I, I I you. They're, they're at <laughs> so, uh, the 23 overall pick. Okay, Seattle so you already have the 23. Rams you have the most. In the wild card round, they're at 23 because of their yep. record. So you already have pick 23. You have the most first-round picks over the next three years, tied with the, the, our very own Detroit Lions. Shout out. So as opposed to spending your number two pick, which is so valuable – on Zach Wilson, a quarterback, in trading away Sam Darnold for presumably you're not getting a first-round pick for Sam Darnold. I think it's safe to say that right now. So let's say, best-case scenario, you get a, a, a high-to-mid second-round pick for Sam Darnold. That's what you're recouping for the dude you drafted with the third pick in 2018 and never really gave a real chance to. Because everyone has their own opinions on Sam Darnold that are subjective, I think it's objectively fair to say that Sam Darnold has not been a part of an offense that has put him in a position to succeed, whether it be coaching or talent. As opposed to picking Zach Wilson, you have the option to trade that number two pick to, there are a, we've talked about it on the podcast, there are a plethora of teams that are quarterback desperate. The Denver Broncos, the Carolina Panthers, the San Francisco 49ers perhaps, uh, the uh, Washington football team, the Chicago Bears. Um, the list goes on. Even you can throw the Eagles in there. We don't know what the Eagles are up to. They, they could be a dark horse candidate to draft a quarterback. Um, so as opposed to drafting Zach Wilson, why not trade back to, let's say, pick eight, pick nine, Carolina slash Denver, get compensated for it because it's going to take more than the eighth or ninth pick to get up to two based on what uh, history tells us it, when it comes to drafting to trading into the top two or three picks and drafting a quarterback you're going to need to be giving up a second and something else probably hypothetically let's say carolina gives up pick eight their second round pick this year and a second round pick next year that is a realistic trade package for what the jets could possibly receive for the number two pick you move down six slots in the draft you draft a playmaker at eight because chances are either Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts, Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddell, one of those dudes is going to be available at eight. Like, that's a fact. Um, take a playmaker, a weapon, to get on that offense with Darnold because as of right now, his best playmakers are Denzel Mims and Jamison Crowder, who may or may not be on the team next year. Take a playmaker... Pick another weapon with the 23rd pick, whether it be on offense or defense, and get compensated for it and continue to invest in the 23 turning 24 in June year old quarterback that you drafted with the number three pick in 2018 and you're now bringing the new staff in to put him in a position to succeed. I know that was kind of long-winded. Adam, this seems like a no-brainer. Yeah, and, and I mean, theoretically, too, if it, you're at two and we know Carolina offered a good package for Detroit for Stafford, we know Denver offered the same San Francisco could also be in the market yep. to move up. You could potentially get a future first um, in addition to that Absolutely. first round pick this year. 
Um, I have, like, I guess two counter-argument questions to, to ask you. Number one, it is my understanding that you're not exactly opposed to Zach Wilson, that you like a lot of what he has, but it's more of just where he's being mocked that you have a problem with. Yeah, absolutely. I have to push back against people saying that when you put somebody in the same breath as Patrick Mahomes, the, the, my, my antennas go up. You can't do that off cuff. And I respect Chris Sims, and I like Chris Sims a lot. It's nothing against Chris Sims. It's a lot of people that are saying this. Off-platform, PFF, uh, all the uh, uh, improvisational, off-platform. I understand it. I understand Zach Wilson's a good player. We have a, a fairly small sample size in terms of him being dominant. He was a, go- a good quarterback as a sophomore. He was a solid quarterback as a junior. He got hurt. Uh, or, sorry, freshman and sophomore. He's a junior now. He had a, he had a phenomenal year this past year. That doesn't change the fact that he's 0-3 against ranked teams with an under 55% completion percentage. He still, in the, in the most competitive game he played in this past year against Coastal Carolina, he, in every game there's great throws. Don't get me wrong. He throws with great velocity. He's very accurate. I would say you can make an argument that he's the most accurate quarterback in this draft, either him or Justin Fields. I think that's a fair assessment to make. But he's not a plus athlete. I'd say he's in, he's in the NFL. He's, he's going to be one of the lower-tier athletes on the field. Um, he isn't necessarily comfortable throwing from the pocket on a consistent basis. And I don't know what the metrics are necessarily on it, but out of all these quarterbacks we're talking about, there's no question in my mind he had the most time to throw the football. He did not face much pressure at all. And when he did face pressure, there's a thing where sometimes it looks great um, and he makes these Johnny Manziel-esque, you know, improvisational plays. But sure, it can work sometimes in the NFL. That's going to work a whole, obviously a whole heck of a lot more against UTSA and against Houston and against even Coastal Carolina than it is uh, going to work against the Buffalo Bills. And for those reasons, this is why I say it's all a projection. When you're drafting Zach Wilson, you're drafting off of a projection of what he could be. And the Jets do not have the luxury of drafting off that projection. The Jets, unless you're drafting Patrick Mahomes or, you know, someone who you think is Pat, if you think Zach Wilson is going to be Patrick Mahomes, friggin' take the guy at two. I just have to push back against that because I think this other route that you can take with retaining Darnold is a much safer and better route. And when it comes to Joe Douglas's job, this draft is going to determine how long he's going to be the general manager. So then let me ask you my my second follow-up question, which I'm more interested to kind of hear your response about, is I know you are much higher on Justin Fields, much higher on Trey Lance than you are with Zach Wilson. With the Jets having a more competent coaching staff with Robert Sala, who I know you like a lot, um, with, is it Mike LaFleur? Is Mike the first name coming over from, from San yeah, Francisco? I think it is, yeah. Do you somewhat fear, I, I almost think of this as a Lions fan last year being at three and taking Jeff Okuda over a guy like Justin Herbert and not saying, I didn't really like Herbert coming out. I'm not blaming Bob Quinn for that, but just saying you were at that position where you could take a cream-of-the-crop quarterback and maybe with some more competent coaching with Robert Sala in-house, Mike LaFleur, in-house with Darnold, maybe you can go 6-10, and 10, but he's not the type of quarterback that can win you a Super Bowl, which is the most important thing. If you're in Joe Douglas's seat, are you considering Fields or Lance, or do you think that Darnold is the type of quarterback that can you know, bring you a Lombardi trophy? Yeah, I mean, I'll catch, I could catch flack for this from, from people, but I, I absolutely think Darnold is the type of quarterback that can win you a Lombardi trophy. I think that this time, two and a half or three years ago, or whatever it is, we were all talking about how great Sam Darnold was. Now he should be—he's the number one quarterback in that class. And da 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 da. I've watched plenty of Sam Darnold. I watched the NFL. I've watched him over the last three years. Like, I really am missing what makes Sam Darnold bad. I'm missing it. I understand the turnovers are there. I understand the lapses are there. This dude is playing with scrubs. The offensive line, they finally brought in Becton, thank God. They had the worst offensive line before they brought in Becton. Becton was battling injury a little bit this year. Their offensive line was mediocre. He has nothing around him. I mean, freaking Le'Veon Bell, that whole situation fell flat on its face. Like I said, Denzel Mims is your best outside receiver who was injured half the year. 
You've got Jamison Crowder, who's 30 years old, getting 60% of the, of the pass load on offense. Your defense isn't doing you any favors either. You've got like two or three good players on the defense. It's a terrible football team. Like, I guess as a thought experiment, if you throw Josh Allen on the Jets, like, how, what is their record this year? Do they win one or two more games maybe? Sure. Do they win one or two more games? I will not buy that the Jets are a legitimate playoff contender with Josh Allen. I will not buy that they're a legitimate playoff contender with Lamar Jackson or with Baker Mayfield or with anybody else in, the, in, the, in that quarterback class with, with Sam Darnold. And he's 23 years old, like I've said a million times. So you're now going to punt on Darnold because you're bringing in a new coaching staff and you have a high pick? Uh, it's just, it seems backwards to me. And the, I guess the only thing that justifies the logic is you have a new staff. So you want to groom a new young quarterback with the staff, but kicking Darnold to the curb, like, you know, he's some proven, I don't know the, 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 the way the media handles, you know, how good players are and reacts to players performances. I've heard Baker Mayfield is a bum. I've heard Josh Allen is a bum. All these guys you hear that they're like, how about you give him a real chance to see what he is? And even, this is the best part about it, forget my Darnold bias. Even if Sam Darnold sucks next year, you have better pieces to draft another quarterback because if he does suck, sure, you lost. Maybe you're not picking second again. But you're going to get a top 10 pick if Sam Darnold sucks next year. The team's still not that great. You can have a really good draft this year and spend a little bit and of money you have the second first round pick. And the team, and you have the most first-round picks. You can move up. Taking a quarterback now would, I think, be a knee-jerk reaction, regardless of who it is. If you're not getting Trevor Lawrence, it doesn't make sense. It does not make sense to me. And this is the, the, another, the, the funniest part about it is I, do, I think the Jets are going to take a quarterback. I think they're going to take Zach Wilson with the number two pick in the draft. So that kind of wraps up where I'm at with this, and I just am really struggling to understand why. I understand it's a quarterback league, but it just doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't. It doesn't make sense to so, me. I would love to hear Joe so Douglas. I guess or quickly, else, like, I mean, sit if, down. Say, say the Jets don't take Wilson, and they were to take Lance or Fields at two, mm-hmm. um, and then they were able to trade Darnold for a, a second, or more likely a third round pick. I mean, you, you would still think, you know, Illy on that, or or. Or even this, say you were to keep Darnold and stick at two, like who would you want them to pick at two? Or do you think the answer is trade back because there will be ample? Well, trade back because 100% you're going Mm -hmm. to get offers if you want to trade back. If you have to pick at two, take Devonta, take Pitts. I don't care. Take Take a playmaker at two. Sure, you overdrafted. You now have an offensive weapon on your team that is going to make, is better than anybody you have on your offense right now. And so what, you picked him six picks before you would have if he didn't make the trade. It just, sure, you know, bring in Fields and trade Darnold. Like, I don't, I'm not saying you're destined for failure if you're drafting Justin Fields or even Zach Wilson for that matter. I could be wrong on Wilson. Like, sorry. Um, I could be wrong on Wilson. But you, you, the play here, the value play is to keep Sam Darnold. That's the value play. That, that's basically the point I'm emphasizing. And if you can the, – the, the biggest point I'm emphasizing is if you can be compensated for trading back when you already have the most first-round capital over the next three years and you already have a 23-, 24-year-old quarterback who you drafted top three a couple of years ago, it seems like a no-brainer to me unless that quarterback is you – you flip on the tape and it's Drew Locke or you flip on the tape and it's, it's, it's Paxton Lynch or Josh Rosen – or Dwayne Haskins, this isn't one of those guys. It's not. This guy is in a different category. I'm not saying he's great. I'm not saying he's even in the category with Lamar or Allen or or, or Baker. He's not even proven he can be as good as Baker yet. But from what, if you know football, you know he's not Haskins, you know he's not Rosen, he can be that. Look at what happened to Baker when Stefanski put him in a position to succeed. Even Allen and Lamar, they had bad years. They've had bad games. I guess Lamar hasn't had a bad year necessarily, but passing the ball, he's had 
mediocre years. This past year, he had a mediocre year passing the football. But the staff puts him in a position to succeed. They play to his strengths. The Jets' staff hasn't even had the ability to put Sam Darnold into a position to succeed. Like, the team hasn't been good enough. So, that's my bottom line. Yeah, I, mean, I, think, I um, think your analysis is completely fair, and it's almost bringing me to the point that I, you know, I, wanna, I want to agree with you, and I want to think that they'll, you know, pick something else to do or, or trade back. I think, you know, I'd have to look into a little bit more into Sam Darnold. You've been a believer since the USC days. Um, but I, I don't think you're wrong, mm-hmm. you know, at all. And I think, you know, it, it reminds me, you know, last year with the Lions when they got rid of Slay and then added Okuda. It's just like, is this really what the problem with this team is? Right? Like, is Sam Darnold really the issue? Yeah. With the Jets, and, and I would lean lean towards a not. Yep. Um, you know, you can point to some durability issues, you know, absolutely. But, you know, I think if you don't love someone at two, and then you get a good offer, especially, I mean, if Carolina or Denver offers a future first and their eighth and ninth pick to come up to two, uh, you know, I, I think you're going to be hard-pressed for yeah. Joe Douglas to, to uh, you know, pass on that. But let's, uh, let's go on to this, this segment that I'm excited about. It's inspired by Lee Murray when he wrote... Uh, a nice little letter on the backjudge.com to Joe Douglas. And I, I have two guys who I want to write letters to. Lee, do you have, do you have one or two? Uh, I've got one. I don't want to get over my over my skis here with the, with the letter. That's all good. But, yeah, so, I've so got I'll one. start then. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to write a letter to uh, my good friend Ryan Pace. You know, and, and Ryan Pace may say when he gets this letter in the mail, Adam, uh, you've hated on the Bears. Since the moment that you've you've started the Backjudge podcast, you've called me, you've labeled me a racist, which is, you know, I would say fair. Fair, Ryan. You're absolutely right, but I will extend you this olive branch, and I'll say, Dear Ryan, make some sort of splash with the quarterback position that is not involving a rookie. Ryan, send a check over to John Schneider. Send a check to Nick Casario. Say, say, write whatever you want in it for Deshaun Watson or, or uh, Russell Wilson. Send it back to me, and I'll flip that check over, and I'll sign my name on the back of it. I'll endorse it. Because, Ryan, you have proven throughout your time as the, the GM of the Bears that you can build a solid roster. You've built a nice defense. You've added some nice pieces on offense through free agency and the draft. Yet, you have proven that you do not know anything when it comes to the quarterback position. You've brought in Mike Glennon. You've brought in Mitch Trubisky. You've brought in Nick Foles. It's just time to go out there and add a proven quarterback to this team. You're sitting at 20 in the draft. You're not even gonna be able to sniff a player like Mac Jones, who personally I'm not sure if can even be a franchise quarterback, but I think he would be the best that you could even hope for at falling to 20, and even I don't really think that he will fall that far. I don't think if you're if you're Ryan Pace and you're looking at you know your career basically being gone in a year if you don't get a quarterback, how are you not willing to give up maybe two defensive players and two draft two first round draft picks to go get a Deshaun Watson, right? You wouldn't give up the 20th pick this year, a first round pick next year, say. Jalen Johnson and Roquan Smith for a player like Russell Wilson. I mean, I understand that your offensive line is not, you know, where you would want it to be, but I just feel like if you want to keep your job going forward, if you want to make this Chicago team more than a one and done in the playoffs, you have to make this move and you're not averse to making a splash. I mean, you traded a ton of assets for a guy like Khalil Mack. You're telling me that you wouldn't do that for the chance to get a franchise quarterback. If you're getting Watson, you're getting him for at least 10 years. If you're getting Russell Wilson, you're getting him at least five to six years, potentially more, hopefully more. You're telling me you wouldn't do that. So, Ryan Pace, I'm running you this letter to implore you to, uh, as a Lions fan, all right? I'm telling you as a Lions fan, send some picks, send some players, get your franchise quarterback and, and build from there. I know it might be tough, but uh, if you want to keep your job longer, you want to stay employed, if you want to be respected in the NFL, you got to make this move. I like it, Clep. I think uh, I completely agree that they should basically do everything in their power to uh, try to acquire an elite quarterback, um, especially showing up on that on that Russell Wilson 
I don't want to be traded, but if I were to be traded list, um, yeah, I think they need to do everything they can. And I do think, I think the Bears have something up their sleeve, quarterback-wise. I think Ryan Pace has come out and said, uh, we need to figure out the quarterback position, in so many words. And I think he'll stay true to that. I think he will. And I don't know if it'll be the right move, but they're going to be doing something. Um, They're going to be doing something to figure out that situation. And uh, I think the smartest thing to do would be not not put the decision in your hands. Have it be a proven decision, which is to say, do what you need to do to to get uh, Wilson or Watson. I would try to avoid trading core players like Roquan. Um, and I think that's possible. I think they can. I think they can avoid doing that if they just give away their future in draft picks, essentially, and say, "Hey, basically, the next three or four years, we're not going to be drafting." Almost like a Rams situation, but for one player. Like we're giving away. Well, they would be in a Rams situation. This is the first year in two years that they've had a first round pick because of the Khalil Mack trade. Yeah, I just feel like they really need to become almost a Rams. 2.0, I mean, do you disagree with somewhat? I, in my head, I was like, all right, just give up Jalen Johnson and Roquan Smith because they're rookies on rookie deals. You know, they may be more value to a team like the Texans, but maybe would you consider giving a guy like Eddie Jackson instead of Roquan Smith? Where's your head oh, at there? I think Roquan Smith is a top five linebacker in the NFL. And I think that, and he's also like 23. So I think that Bojack has been great, but he's been a little bit inconsistent, especially last year. Um, and I think that that would probably be a better move, although your secondary would be basically ravaged from that. I think that um, that would be better than giving away Roquan. I'm trying to like draft up a, a trade in my mind, and I would, yeah, I would give away 120 the second round this year, first round next year, second round next uh, next year, first round 2023. And uh, Jalen, and you know, I don't know, maybe a guy like Mooney. You you might have to you or might have I to was sacrifice. Thinking like maybe Anthony Miller. Like I don't know. I feel like yeah. the I feel like the, the situation for the Bears. Like I don't know if I'd give up. I'd either give up two firsts and like two defensive starters, or like three firsts in a player. Like I'm not sure yeah. if I'm giving like three firsts and two dif- two defensive starters. I think yeah. That's so a then lot. yeah, I think like three firsts and Jalen. Would be a deal that would at least give Seattle some pause, especially considering that it seems like Russell doesn't want to be there and Chicago's on his short list. Um, I don't think that either team would really be, you know, uh, I don't think it would be a really terrible deal for, for, for either team. And I think, you know, we talk about it all the time. The NFC North is kind of up for grabs if you take into account that, I mean, it's the Packers' division to lose, but if Russell Wilson's on the Bears, I mean... <laughs> That that's that's a completely different story. So, I think you're uh, you're coming from you're coming from a good angle, and um, yeah, All right. pace. Listen up, Lee. Who are you? Uh, who are you writing a letter to? Um, I'm writing a letter to Steve Kahn, and uh, I haven't done as much, I guess, deep digging as I should. I know that the Cardinals have 20 million dollars in cap space. Um, and my, my message to Steve Kime would be, go win a Super Bowl, man. Like, not that obviously that's not his goal, but I believe Kyler Murray is a franchise quarterback, elite quarterback. That's all taken care of. You've seen what he can do when he's playing well. Um, you've gone out, you've got DeAndre Hopkins. You guys kind of folded at the end of the season last year. Maybe not at the end of the season. The losses early to the Lions and the, and the Panthers made it so that you were in a situation where... You know, you were playing your division down the stretch, and you didn't make the playoffs. The Bears got in over you, which is really disappointing, even even with the di- uh, division taken into consideration. But you're in the best division in football, bar none. And you just brought in J.J. Watt. You're probably paying him too much, but that's a guy who wants to win a Super Bowl. I see that. You know, that that's a that's a culture changer bringing J.J. Watt in because he's a guy who he's got one goal. It's not he, his defensive player of the year sack. All that is over now. He just wants to win a Super Bowl and do what he can to win a Super Bowl. I still think he can contribute. Um, and my message to him would be to Steve Kime would be go all in. Let Kenyon Drake walk. Uh, if you have to start Chase Edmonds, start Chase Edmonds. I would prefer if you maybe drafted a running back in the later in one of the later rounds, so you can get a little bit of a duo going with Chase Edmonds. Um, 
I don't know, sign a Johnny Smith. Dan Arnold is your tight end. As much as I like Dan Arnold, he's not a, a, a chain mover at tight end. Sign a sign a Johnny Smith, perhaps. Go sign a cornerback. Bolster up your secondary. Patrick Peter, you're gonna let Patrick Peterson walk. Okay, sure, let him walk. You've seen that Byron Murphy can play a little bit. Uh, Buda Baker is one of the best young safeties in the league. Kirkpatrick and Peterson were quite frankly mediocre last year. They're, those guys are past their prime. Go spend money on a cornerback. Draft a cornerback at 15. Bolster up that secondary. You, the, I think the defensive line is okay for now. I mean, Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt are, are another couple of guys that are po- probably past their prime. But I think this can be a formidable defense if you spend a little money in the secondary and you get one more weapon for that offense because you see what that offense can do. I think Christian Kirk is still coming into his own as a player. I think we've probably seen, uh, you know, most of what we're going to need to see from Christian Kirk, but that's a guy who's 24 years old um, and still kind of coming into his own. Don't know what the situation is on Larry Fitzgerald, but you need one more playmaker on the outside. You need a little bit of help on the offensive line. Um, my, my advice would be go all in. Don't be afraid, afraid to spend a little money. Don't be afraid to draft for position instead of for val- instead of for 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 value or, or not for value for. Uh, I guess it would be like luxury. Like I don't know if 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 there's a no, really good like, running back. Draft for position in need instead of maybe who's best available. Yeah, draft for position in need. Bolster your roster and build around. Continue to build around Kyler Murray because you're you're kind of balancing where your window is right now with Kyler being so young. And, and Lee, then, I think this fits into what on the last podcast you're saying is like, hey, man, like offer Aaron Jones something. Yeah. Well, here's the thing about Aaron Jones is that he's going to want a lot of money and they only have $20 million of cap space. So if they offer him a contract, they're not going to have much left over. So I almost would, would prefer the approach of spending that money on the defense, uh, spend money on cornerbacks. There's some really good cornerbacks available and draft uh, – or, or, or spend money on a guy like Jonu Smith and some other offensive line pieces and then draft a corner or draft a weapon at, you know, you're sitting right there in the middle of the first round at 15. And then we've seen how much value you can get in later rounds at running back. If you let Kenyon Drake walk, you know what you have in Chase Edmonds. Now get a little bit of, you know, earth, wind, and fire going. Figure out what can complement Chase Edmonds well. Draft that in, you know, one of the later rounds. Off the top of my head, I'm thinking of, you know, I don't know, like a Trey Sermon or a uh, who's the guy Tommy was talking about that he really likes? Ramondre Stevenson from Oklahoma. That's another good player. There are some good depth running backs in this draft that you can get um, that can that, that can make your 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 off that can bolster your offense a little bit. You know, Benjamin obviously still in the in the fold there too. But you are. I feel like it's like for me. What I would say to Steve Kime is recognize that you're balancing. You know your your the age of your roster between. Having this young quarterback, having Christian Kirk so young, there's some young pieces on the O-line, and then DeAndre Hopkins is right in the middle of his prime right now. J.J. Watt is probably out of his prime. Chandler Jones is probably out of his prime. These are guys that are pretty good, but out of their prime. Um, And yeah, I, I would say really focus up because the Rams aren't going anywhere with Stafford. The Seahawks, presumably, if they keep Wilson, aren't going anywhere. And the Niners were in the Super Bowl two years ago, and I'm sure they've got plans to get back. There are some really, really, really good coaches in that division. And this is kind of a put-up-or-shut-up year for the Cardinals. So don't, don't be afraid to, uh, to kind of go all in. I like that. Good, good letter. So I, I would really I'm, – I'm interested to see uh, – you know who my third letter is to, but I'm, I'm, I'm excited about your reaction because I feel like this is a team that has not been – talked about a ton in the offseason. And my my letter, the last letter of the Backdoors podcast to the GM is to, to Mike Mayock. And I'm going to say, Dear Mike, my simple question to you is, what's the plan here? Because you've been the GM of the Raiders for two years. Uh, your free agent signings have been Trent Brown, who you just traded back to the Patriots for basically a fifth and a seventh swap. Uh, you, you drafted Cleveland Farrell, Josh Jacobs, and Jonathan Abrams with your three first-round picks in 2019, which Jacobs is a good player. He's a running back. Cleveland Farrell has been a disappointment for the fourth overall pick, and Jonathan Abrams hasn't always been healthy and is kind of a freelancer for how many, you know, he, he doesn't make as many plays as you would like for somebody who 
in my opinion, takes a lot of risks and kind of plays outside the, the defensive protocol. And then you, know, you come in, you, you draft the guys like Tanner Muse in the third round. You, you drafted a Lynn Bowden in the third round and then just traded him to the Dolphins before the season even started. You signed Corey Littleton and Nick Kwiatkowski, who I, I, you know, I was fans of both those signs, but Littleton didn't play that well. Kwiatkowski is okay. You've invested a lot of you know, money and draft capital into the defense, which has been terrible. The offense still does not really have uh, an identity other than throwing to Darren Waller and running the ball. Uh, and, you know, obviously, like I said, Trent Brown has been traded back to the Patriots. And my, my simple question to you, Mike, is, is what are you doing? What is the plan here? Derek Carr is still the quarterback. I don't think that you and I would either say that he is the issue, but he's not exactly a solution uh, to what the Raiders uh, are dealing with. And you're in a division with the Chiefs, who we can debate all day as if their roster is Super Bowl worthy, but they're going to be around forever in the FC West. The Chargers seemingly have a better, you know, young quarterback than you do in Derek Carr. So, you know, what's going on here? I, I just don't really know what the long-term plan is in terms of what Mike, Mike Mayock has in store for the Vegas Raiders. And I think Gruden's a good coach, but uh, it just hasn't really worked out so far. And if I were a Raiders fan, I'd be gravely concerned if they didn't make the playoffs this year. Yeah, uh, the Raiders were a major disappointment disappointment last year. Like major, I was all over the Raiders well, last year. And then, year. like I, lastly, too, you know, they're sitting at seventeen in this draft. Like, what do you do in that position? You hope, you hope someone falls. You hope a guy like Micah Parsons is available, or you know, I, I don't know, man. I. Uh, the Raiders are, to me, off the off the dome. Just looking at this roster and seeing what they did this year, this is a roster that is just begging for an elite quarterback. And I I don't hate Derek Carr, but he's just like the 16th best quarterback in the NFL and always will be. And maybe even lower. Yeah, depending on the day. What I mean yeah. is, yeah, he's just a middle. He's so middling. He's so average. And you don't have the. You don't have the roster to have an average quarterback. I'm almost thinking, like, man, what would it take to get Watson? And I don't know if they have the facilities to to do that. Um, They're in a really tough position, especially, like you said, considering where the Chargers are at with how much cap room the Chargers have and Justin Herbert seemingly being... I mean, Lee, uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, how much do you trust Mike Mayock? Like, what has he done so far in two years that makes you think, like, oh, this guy, like, knows what he's doing? I'd say, like, five. I'd say five because you got to give these guys time. I don't know. I mean, just looking at the moves he's made, obviously, you know, they haven't been good enough. Quite frankly, they haven't been good enough. But also, like, I'm a huge John Gruden fan. The performance on the field from a coaching standpoint hasn't been good enough. This is a team that I can pull up the schedule right now if, if the fans will just give me 10 seconds to pull up the schedule. If I'm remembering correctly, this is a team that was in prime playoff position week 13 and completely squandered it by, okay, you beat the Panthers, you beat the Saints, you lose to the Patriots one. Lose to the Bills 2 and 2, you beat the Chiefs 3 and 2, you lose to the Buccaneers 3 and 3, you beat the Browns 4 and 3, you beat the Chargers 5 and 3, you beat the Broncos 6 and 3, you lose to the Chiefs 6 and 4. You lose to the Falcons week 12 43 to 6. And then you beat the Jets the next week on a Hail Mary. That's the turning point in the season where it's like if you're losing to the Falcons 43 to 6 week 12 when you're in prime playoff position, what's going on? That's not Mayock, That's not a Mayock problem, I don't think. And I will give blame where it's due to Mayock with stuff that you very eloquently listed. But when you're losing to the Falcons 43-6 and it takes a Hail Mary to beat the Jets, and then down the stretch when you've got, when you're, again, even after losing to the Falcons and, and the Colts and barely beating the Jets, you've got three games left and you're, you're dead-eye looking at a playoff spot if you can go 2-1. and one. And you lose to the Chargers in overtime. You lose to the Dolphins, 
who, by the way, replaced their quarterback with four, three or four minutes left in the game because he was playing so bad, and you still lose to them. I'm like that. To me, that's not a Mayock problem. We'll see what they can do to build the roster, but I'll go out and say it as someone who's probably I'll go out on a limb and say I've been the biggest Raiders supporter on the podcast the past couple of years. As long as Derek Carr is your quarterback in this division, in the way the league is going, you're not winning anything anytime soon. Simple as that. So then, I just do you don't... think the, the, the formula for them is to trade for a Watson or, or trade for a Wilson? Like, is that what they have to do? Yeah, but it's almost like the asking price might be too high. So maybe maybe you – I don't know how, how open the window is to trade Carr. It seemed like that talk was – was pretty spicy, you know, a month ago, and now it's kind of subsided after Wentz went to the Colts and whatnot. But if you can get something for Carr, if you can get a second or third round pick for Carr, and you can kind of just restart a little bit, I think that's what you need to do because. And what do you think of Derek Carr? Like, are you like he's he's fine? I think he's, like, he's, I think, he's better I think he's, than like Goff, right? But, eh, but it's like sure, I like him more than Goff. Yeah. I don't know if he's better than Goff, like. <laughs> Derek Carr gets too much credit. Like, he's not good. He's not bad. He's just average. He's just average. And I don't really think, like, he's been in the league for how long? Like six or seven years. Yeah, I was going to say four or five. It's more like six or seven. I think you're right. He had one really good year. And last year was probably, I think, his second best year. And we're talking about last year was his second best year, and you put up six points against the Atlanta Falcons in Week Twelve. Yeah, he was drafted in twenty fourteen. He's been in the league six years. Yeah, that ain't gonna do it. That ain't gonna do it. And you know, I, I want to see more to Henry Ruggs. I want to see more to Brian Edwards. Why is Nelson Aguilar the best receiver on your team last year? I, I know they're young, but Nelson Aguilar is, you know a year or two away from just being a journeyman, basically. You know, I, I, I don't know. They brought Vic Beasley in, who was That's playing the, some of the playing, worst yeah, football playing. I've ever seen yeah. in my life last year. Um, yeah. What I will say as a bright spot is, man, I think they got some good corners that have a bright future. I know you I think Trayvon I, I know like is Trayvon, good. I know like Damon. I like Damon. I think Amik Robinson is going to be a good player. Robertson. Excuse me. Totally agree with you on Jonathan Abram. I think he's overrated. People talk about Jonathan Abram like he's like a like. He, it's like he like he's like some stud. It's like he's good. You know he's fine. He's I almost, just think he, he he's like baby Jamal Adams. Yeah, he just, he's he not just, as good as Jamal he freelances Adams. He for somebody who should be like making you know turnovers, and it, and yeah. it doesn't really happen. So I, I just I'm not a huge uh, Jonathan Abram fan. I. I, you know, you, you, you penned a letter to Steve Kime. I think, you know, we've talked about this, how Arizona and Vegas are in kind of the same situation where it's, kind of, hey, man, it's year three of this new regime, right? Year three yeah. of Gruden, year three of Cliff. Like, let's, you know, and they're in tough, they're both in extremely tough divisions, but at some point you, you got to make the, the playoffs. And the Cardinals, the Cardinals have, have the quarterback. Yeah. And, and like, that's the same that's, thing too. It's like if you're Mike Mayock, like why haven't you gotten another a different quarterback yet? Like why? You want to talk about the whole jet? We can get back to the Jets conversation. What did the Raiders have? The fi- the fifth pick in the twenty nineteen yep. draft. They had the fourth draft? pick, and they took Cleveland. Fourth pick. You took Cleveland Farrell. Like I don't know, man. I, not, it's not happening right now with Derek. Not that Carr. you wanted them to take Daniel Jones, but it's just like no. And that was a pretty bad class, but. I remember the talks about them dra- uh, trading up to get Kyler. I'm sure they could have done something to do that, and that's revisionist history. But, I mean, you know, I don't know. Trade Carr, Waller, your first-round pick, and frigging Henry Ruggs. I don't know. Sell the farm for Watson. You need a, qu- you need a quarterback. And, if, you ha- and if, it's, if, if it takes trading your two best pass catchers in Waller and Ruggs, you can live with that. I think you can still live with that. And you can sign a receiver or, or, you know, do something. Because right now with Derek Carr in that division, and I'm not even a huge Herbert guy yet. yet. But still, in that division, like, Denver's no but it's slouch. Like, I mean, you'd rather, you'd rather have Herbert than Carr. Oh, for you sure. Know? So it's like... Even for one season, without potential being even coming yeah. into account, I'd probably rather have Herbert than Carr because 
Carr is just middling. He's middling. He's never going to play to like an elite level. He's never going to be that guy. I mean, just skimming over the schedule, like they they lose close games. They lose games in overtime. That's like, to me at least, is kind of a quarterback issue. Um, and this is Derek Carr having his best year in a while last year. So I don't know, Club, the more... The more I look at this roster, the more I think, man, they're doomed. Like, they're screwed. Unless they can... Uh, yeah. They, I agree. The, the, the Trent Brown move to me is so weird because it's I was reading about it's it. And it's like they saved some money, but, like, this is, a guy, this is a guy who, what, two years ago was, like, one of the best tackles in the NFL when you signed him. And then last year he had some issues with COVID. And then there was Watch some, him go there to, was some he's bizarre, go to New England. Yeah, there was some bizarre IV incident, and then you're just moving off him to save some money and then opening up a gigantic hole at a right tackle. It just doesn't make any sense to me. He, he's gonna go to New England and have like a really good year. I'm Watch. sure. And yeah. They still I, New England still has Scarnecchia. They cut Gabe Jackson too. I, mean, yeah. I know not that Gabe Jackson is like some stud, but it's like that was like But the O line was one of their strengths. Yeah. And it just I don't really know what Mike Mayock is is doing. And at this point, I almost feel like you have to come up with a, a new plan for the team, but you have wasted two years of good draft picks on something that I... It, it's I'll just the whole thing. It's like you drafted Lynn Bowden and then traded him before the season starts. It's just like... Uh, yeah. That kind of stuff confuses me. Yeah, I completely agree. So... If, if Denver finds a way to get a quarterback... This is the worst team in the division by, by like a significant amount. You know, there's like, only so far. You think, Gus, you think bringing in like Gus Bradley as DC is going to save you? Like, yeah. Like, nah. Yeah. Um, not to totally put you on the spot. You don't have to make it formal. I know you might have wanted to say something to former Lions, you know, Martin Mayhew, who's with the, the football team. Yeah. Any quick thoughts? My thing with the football team is like, man, you're you're onto something right now. Uh, I really like Ron Rivera and what he's done there. I kind of underestimated, obviously, how good of a coach he is. I think he's a really good coach. Um, you took care of the, the Brandon Scherf situation. Get a quarterback, man. Get a quarterback. I don't know. Maybe sign Jameis. Maybe uh, get abstract. I don't know. You don't. Mac Jones isn't isn't going to define you. He's not your future just because he's the worst quarterback, and you might have a chance of getting worst quarterback of the five, and you might have a chance of getting him. Um, maybe get Kellen Mond in the second round, and get a receiver in the first round. Uh, I think that if you you saw what frigging Kyle Allen and Taylor Heineke, who by the way is not even close to a long term solution, don't act like you're going to trot Taylor Heineke out week one, and you're going to be some competitive team like. I don't think that's happening. Bring in a quarterback. You have pieces on defense. I would even say re-sign Ronald Darby. I don't think it would be that expensive. He had a really good year for you last year. Uh, The defense is really good. Obviously, you can get pieces in the later rounds, but they've got some solid depth on defense. They've got a great defensive line. If you can get one more receiver to complement Terry McLaurin and then Logan Thomas out of the tight end position, and you can get a quarterback in the second round even, because if you bring Kellen Mond in, he's immediately the best quarterback on your roster. And you can get a little bit of help on the offensive line because the offensive line overperformed last year and it didn't seem like that big of an issue when on paper it doesn't look that great. Chase really is your center. He's not necessarily anything to write home about. Jerron Christian's your left tackle. I know he's been solid, but him and Morgan Moses being the tackles, you know, you can, you can probably do better than that. Um, and this division is yours, man. That's all I would say. I, I haven't done the... Uh, the requisite work on, but man, they got 38 million in cap space. Figure out what your plan is based on the things I said, whether it be quarterback, O-line, and a receiver. It's focus on that offense and build the defense with depth because you have a good defense. You can get a couple more pieces in there with depth and maybe in free agency, and you can build this offense. No one is going to be able to compete with you in that division. No one is. The Cowboys don't have the defense to compete with you. The Eagles are a dumpster fire, and Daniel Jones isn't going to – I don't care how blue-collar Joe Judge is. Daniel Jones isn't going to beat you when you have that defense and a legitimate quarterback on the other side of the football. So I think, man, there's, there can be some exciting stuff happening in Washington if they can, if they can do those things. Um, and off the top of my head, I guess I would say, like, 
let's say you get Rashad Bateman with a 19th pick. I know that might be a little rich, but some people might say he goes higher. Some people might say he goes lower. Let's just say you get Rashad Bateman because Mac Jones is gone. You don't want to get your quarterback. You make a move and trade up. Maybe you sacrifice your third-round pick. I don't know what this is off the dome. And you go get Kellen Mond in the second round. And you spend a little bit of money on the defense, bringing in, you know, uh, John Johnson, perhaps. You're looking at, wow, like this team can compete. Maybe because you have a rookie quarterback, you're not going to be, you know, winning 11 or 12 games year one. But you can work with that, man. You can work with that. And you haven't had a legitimate quarterback in D.C. since Robert Griffin. And if you can bring somebody in who can get the job done and has potential and is not just the norm of what you've been going through, whether it be Alex Smith with, you know, we know what Alex Smith is, especially after the injury, or Dwayne Haskins, who's just been a whole, that situation's just been a disaster from almost from the, for, since he took that selfie. And not even on the like, football team anymore. Not even on the team anymore. You know, I, I don't know. I think the culture is rich in Washington, man. I think Ron Rivera built something. I was dead wrong on them in terms of, like, what was happening with the team. Obviously, I don't – like, they made the playoffs last year. They won the division. Congratulations. They weren't, like, that great. Their defense won them the division. And you saw what they could do with freaking Taylor Heineke playing quarterback. But I like the staff. I love the defense. And if you can just get a couple more pieces in, man, th- this could be a potential, like – you know, team to beat in the NFC East for the next three or four years, for sure, if not longer, because that D-line is young. And I know you're going to have to pay those guys at some point, but I guess my point is this this roster is young and exciting, man. And there's nothing like a young, exciting roster with a really good defense that just needs a couple more pieces on offense, most specifically a quarterback, to put it over the edge. Yeah, I mean, I completely, completely agree with where, you, where you're coming from there. And NFC East, even with Dak, being healthy in Dallas again is, is definitely up for grabs. So, you know, I don't, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think it's ridiculous to think if if the you know Washington gets a gets a good quarterback in there that they can't be successful. Yep. Um, any uh, any draft thoughts, Lee? Anything you need to get off your head? Um. No, I'm a little distracted right now to be honest because I've been on this Memphis game and there's a minute left. They just called a timeout. They're down by one point with with 42 seconds it's for left. For a couple so. hundred, right? This is for three hundred twenty-five parlay for three hundred, and obviously Georgetown has to finish the job. But they're up, they're up twenty twenty-four twenty-five with uh, with six well, minutes left. Let me just left, say so. that uh, I like Elijah Moore and I like Amari Rogers. I like those guys. Okay, I like Amari Rogers. I want to say I like Rondale Moore. Yeah, and I like Quincy Roche, defensive end out of Miami. I think that's a guy who Miami's got a couple guys right off the D line. Yeah. Yeah, and this is my this is kind of my take is that Gregory Rousseau is overhyped. He's like a guy who's like everyone's looking at the measurables and not really. You know, I, I think that he's a guy who's getting mocked top ten before the season. He opted out, which is probably a smart business move um, because I think Jalen Phillips and Quincy Roach are better than him, um, and I think Quincy Roach of those three guys is clearly the most slept on based on the fact that. You see Jalen Phillips and Gregory Rousseau getting mocked in the first round, and Quincy Roche is a dog. This is a guy who I watched. He played at Temple. Uh, he transferred to Miami for his last year, and he's an edge rusher, and he gets after it. He gets after it. I would love to see. I don't think he survives to the mid-third round, but if, the, if he's there for the Lions in the early third round or even mid to late second, that's a great pick, I think, in my opinion. So... Lions have the extra That's third right. two from the Rams, so yeah. something to keep in mind. And I think Rondale Moore is just super dynamic and didn't really get to he didn't really get to show how dynamic he was this year because of he kind of had a weird situation where he was sitting out games and it was nondescript and it turned out he had an ankle injury and didn't want to like talk about it or something. So I I don't really know what the specifics are with that, but I think Rondale Moore is a bona fide playmaker who, in my opinion, has first round value. And if he's there for a team like, you know, I don't know Indianapolis or Green Bay. In the first round, uh, at the end of the first round, I think that's I would be a great pick. All right, Lee, I'll let you get to the Memphis game. All right, man, it's always a pleasure. Pleasure. Take care. You say scheming? Question marks. You're my way. What is it? Stand. Stand. Peace. Peace. Stand.
but you still ain't calling. I left my cell, my pager, and my home phone at the bottom. I sent two letters back in autumn. You must not have got them. It probably was a problem at the post office or something. Sometimes I scribble the dresses too sloppy when I jot them. But anyways, what's been up, man? How's your daughter? My girlfriend's pregnant too. I'm about to be a father. If I have a daughter, guess what I'ma call her? I'ma name her Bonnie. I read about your uncle Ronnie too. I'm sorry. I had a friend kill himself over something too. They want him. I know you probably hear this every day, but I'm your biggest fan. I even got the underground that you did with Scam. I got a room full of your posters and your pictures, man. I like it you did with rockets too. That was bad. Anyways, I hope you get this, man. Hit me back, just a chat. Truly yours, your biggest fan. This is Stan. Outside the concert, you didn't have to, but you could have signed an autograph for Matthew. That's my little brother, man. He's only six years old. We waited in the blistering cold for you for four hours, and you just said no. That's pretty, man. You like his an idol. He wants to be just like you, man. He likes you more than I do. I ain't that mad though. I just don't like being lied to. Remember when we met in Denver? You said if I write you, you would write back. See, I'm just like you in a way. I never knew my father neither. He used to always cheat on my mom and beat her. I can relate to what you're saying in your songs. So when I have a day, I drift away and put them on. Cause I don't really got the else. So that helps when I'm depressed. I even got a tattoo with your name across the Sometimes I even cut myself to see how much it bleeds. It's like adrenaline. The pain is such a sudden rush for me. See, everything you say is real. And I respect you because you tell it. My girlfriend's jealous because I talk about you 24-7. But she don't know you like I know you slim. No one does. She don't know what it was like for people like us growing up. You gotta call me, man. I'll be the biggest fan you'll ever lose. Sincerely yours, Stan. P.S. We should be together, too. Say that just clowning, dog. Come on, how can fish you? You 
got some issues, Dan. I think you need some counseling to help your from bouncing off the walls when you get down something. And what's the about us meant to be together? That type of to make me not want us to meet each other. I really think you and your girlfriend need each other, but maybe you just need to treat her better. I hope you get to read this letter. I just hope it reaches you in time before you hurt yourself. I think that you'll be doing just fine if you relax a little. I'm glad I inspired you, but Stan, why are you so mad? Try to understand that I do want you as a fan. I just don't want you to do some crazy. I seen this one on the news a couple weeks ago that made me sick. Some dude was drunk and drove his car over a bridge and had his girlfriend in the trunk and she was pregnant with his kid. And in the car they found a tape, but they didn't say who it was too. Come to think about it, his name was, it was you. Damn.